favorite authors, friends, and guests explore the simpler side of life. Here's your host, Amish fiction author, Tracy Fertikowski. Hey there, welcome to another episode of Buggy Talk. I'm your host, Tracy Fredikowski. Each week, I'll bring you the story behind the stories along with the storytellers. For this week's episode, we have a new Amish author to our Buggy Talk podcast, Wendy Rich Stetson, who will introduce us to Heartsong Hills. Hello there, Wendy. How are you today? I'm so great. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We have lots to chat about today, one being your release, The Heart Song Hills, which is book two of the Hearts of the Ridge series, and it is a standalone book. But before we do that, I'd like to talk to our authors a little bit about how you came to write Amish fiction and a little bit about your background. Is that okay? Absolutely. All right. So my first question today, Wendy, is what did you want to be when you grew up? Well, when I was very little, I wanted to be a vet. I've always loved cats. I was obsessed with cats. I used to sign my name, Wendy TCL, the cat lover. Um, and then uh, I, then when I got a little bit older, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer for a while. And then I realized I just wanted to play a lawyer on TV. So when I was in high school, I attended a program um, that was called the Pennsylvania Governor's School for the Arts that we used to have in Pennsylvania. And I went for theater. I went as an actress, but I was also able to do writing uh, as like my minor. And I set out that summer, I was 16 and quite wise to decide what I wanted to be. And I chose theater at that point. But I have since realized that very few theater professionals are just theater professionals. And many of us are also teachers and directors and lots of us are writers. And so I have since then found my way into writing as well. Well, and I know you have an extensive background, and I hope you'll share some of that with us. I was so impressed by your bio. But um, how about you share something with our listeners that we typically wouldn't know about you? Right. So my day job is being a professional actress. I, I've been an actress in New York City for 25 years. I've done film and television and plays. Um, but the thing that people might not know is that on the set of an independent film that I did a couple years ago out on Long Island, a uh, stunt coordinator, uh, I played a police officer. And the fight choreographer who helped me with that told me that I could drive a cop car as well as any stunt woman. So I have since reminded my husband of that fact as often as possible. And I, I wear that as a little bit of a badge of honor. Oh, how cool. And you live in New York City, right? I do. Yep. Oh, I live in what a place for an actress and a writer. And oh, my goodness, all of the all of the opportunities that you must have. There's a lot of inspiration. Um, it, it's really a wonderful place to live as an artist. And uh, I have come to really love the parks. Uh, I walk my daughter home from school every day and I walk through this beautiful garden in Central Park uh, called the Conservatory Garden. And it's all kinds of scope for the imagination, as my favorite childhood book heroine would say. Oh, that is wonderful. So you are an author, and that's why we have you on the Buggy Talk podcast. And I would love to know what your favorite part and your least favorite part of the publishing journey is. Sure. You know, my favorite part of this whole journey has been how the Hearts of the Ridge series and my first book in particular, which is the one that's been out for a year, Hometown, 
has been welcomed in my own hometown of Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. I grew up in a little small town in central Pennsylvania. And uh, the book is a, the, the Green Ridge, Pennsylvania is the setting of the book. And it is a very thinly veiled Lewisburg. And, you know, I've been in plays and I've done a little TV and movies, but nothing has been so exciting for people in my hometown as seeing their town in this book. In many ways, it's the book is sort of a love letter to where I grew up. And uh, it's just been so heartwarming to see all the people who I grew up with and uh, all the folks I knew coming up in church and in school responding to the book so fondly. It's It's been a really, really special thing. Oh, uh, I bet it is. Yeah, yeah. I've liked that a lot. And, you know, I thought about it a lot. I actually can't say that I have a least favorite part. This has been a really wonderful, new, fun adventure for me at this point. Um, I mean, the editing process took a long time. That was kind of a drag, longer than I was expecting. But, you know, I learned so much doing it. And I am so grateful to my editor. So, you know, it was a, it was a slog, but it was so worth it. And um, so I even enjoyed that in kind of a strange way. I really can't point something out as saying like, oh, I don't like blah, blah, blah. You know, I have to say that I don't. Uh, and we've I've, we've talked about this particular thing on the buggy talk before with many of our authors, you know, being a pantser or a plotter. Mm-hmm. And I'm a pantser. I write by the seat of my pants. But I have come to learn to appreciate plotting a little bit. But I'd say mm-hmm. that's my least favorite is just sort of getting it all down on paper before I actually start writing. That's so funny because actually I love that part. I'm I'm not a strict outliner. I've seen authors with, you know, in chapter one, this is going to happen, then that's going to happen, that's going to, I don't know. I, I just sort of, have, you know, I figure out the beginning, the middle, and the end, and some key plot moments. And actually sometimes I get done with that and I think, well, why write the book? I figured it all out. It's <laughs> all told. But then, of course, the delightful part of it is when the characters surprise you and things you may sort of know where you're heading, but the route that you're going to take to get there is such a, I've done some improvisational theater uh, in my, in my training. And it's like that. You just don't know what your characters are going to say or do. And that's kind of so exciting. It is. It is. So I have to ask you, what is currently on your bedside table that you're reading? Yeah. So I, I have a huge (laughs) TBR list as all of us do. But next in line, what I'm, what I have sitting on my, on my nightstand is this neat book that my mom gave me called Hidden in Plain View, A Secret Story of Quilts and the Underground Railroad. Oh. And, uh, yeah. And it's about how enslaved people encoded messages in quilt patterns to help fugitives escape along the Underground Railroad. Um, and one of the big old Victorian houses in my central Pennsylvania hometown actually was a stop on the Underground Railroad. Uh, Remember uh, uh, another friend from youth group that lived in that church in that in that house, and so I've always been interested in it. So this seemed like kind of a neat. I was so happy when my mom gave me this sort of a neat melding of quilting and things I've been thinking about in Amish life, and then you know another aspect of history. What was it called again? I'm I'm very it's, intrigued. Isn't it neat? It's called Hidden in Plain View. Also, I like the use of plain in that. It's kind yeah, of <laughs> Hidden in Plain View: A Secret Story of Quilts and the Underground Railroad. I haven't oh. started it yet. I wish I could say like, but uh, you've got a good, it, the New York Times book review says it is mesmerizing. Oh, I, I wrote it down because that is, sounds like something that I would enjoy. I grew up in Northwestern Pennsylvania and my husband's childhood home um, had part of the Underground Railroad in their basement. And then when, when they re, when they remodeled the house, 
they found letters stuck in the wall and they found a child doll in there. And um, it led across it, the railroad led across or the, the tunnel or whatever led across the street in front of their house and into the church across the street. So it was so cool. Yeah, it does. So this sounds like I would really enjoy that book. So thanks for sharing that with us. So so my last question about just a little bit about you is what books or authors have most influenced your own writing? Well, when I was little and probably still now, my favorite book series is the Anne of Green Gables series by Ellen Montgomery. Um, as a skinny redheaded kid, I, of course, identified with Anne and uh, ended up marrying a doctor, sort of coincidentally. So that's <laughs> I'm living out my own Anne of Green Gables story here in Manhattan. But um, I, I love how Ellen Montgomery writes about place, how the places, the settings in her books are almost other characters and you know I've I've set my books and some are special to me so I I relate to that and uh and she also writes the most sort of vivid and flawed and funny characters and she gets them into a whole lot of trouble and um I'm really interested in getting my characters into trouble and figuring out how to get them out of it you know how they get themselves out of it and what they learn in the way so I've been really inspired by her by her writing ever since I was little I have um, read some of those books, and I agree that um, they are a great basis for great stories. So, Well, Wendy, thank you so much for giving us a little insight into what your background is. And now we get to talk about Heart Song Hills. But before we do that, I'm going to go ahead and read your back matter just to set the stage, and then we'll talk about this particular story, okay? Sure. All right. This is Wendy Rich Stetson's Heart Song Hills. Amish girls don't dance. Dancing is against the rules. And Nora Byler always follows the rules until a one-way logging truck shatters her world forever. Desperate to heal from the accident, she enrolls in Shuttle Off to Fitness, an exercise class at the local senior center. She never dreamed it involved tap dancing or just how much she'd love to dance. Exiled from Nashville, country music star Tucker McClure has no one to blame but himself. Weekly gigs at the local farmer's market keeps the demons at bay. The last thing he expects is to find himself in an old folks fitness class, dancing with a girl who makes him question everything he thought he wanted. Will the past drive Nora and Tucker apart? Or can love bridge the gap between hearts and worlds? <laughs> I love that, Wendy. It is a great intro into your story, and I'm excited to hear more about it. First of all, how about you tell us what the inspiration was for this particular story? Sure. So uh, if Hometown, book one in my series, had a villain, the villain would be Nora Byler. She's uh, Jonas, the hero's sister. And uh, she's the primary force who stands in the way of uh, Jonas and Tessa's happily ever after. In Hometown, uh, she's not very likable. She's portrayed as bitter and angry, even unreasonable, sometimes seems uncaring. Um, but I know from my work as an actress that no villain thinks of herself as a villain. Um, she says what she says and she does what she does, usually out of love, even if the expression of that love, it could be misplaced or misguided. 
Um, and so when I decided to expand my story into a series, I knew I wanted the second book to be Nora's story. I wanted to get into her experience and try to understand, you know, how the things that have happened in her life and the real deep, profound tragedy that she had changed her and um, what what it would take and who it would take to help bring her out of that and help her find her well-deserved happily ever after. Oh, that was perfect. That was perfect. So this story is set in central Pennsylvania, you mentioned before, right? Yep, that's correct. And how about you tell us what the the key theme or what message do you want your readers to take away from this story? Yeah, I, I think the primary theme of the book is one of forgiveness. Um, though Nora has been taught the importance of forgiveness for her whole life, and it's so deeply woven into Amish culture, she has let anger about the accident that injured her hip and took her husband's life really fester in her heart. Um, and she feels empty. She talks about feeling like she has a hole in her heart or some sort of a like a pit in her soul that hasn't healed from the accident. Um, she hasn't found the heart to forgive. And uh, the hero, Tucker, he has made choices in his life that he regrets, and his own choices and actions sabotaged his career and hurt other people, and he's having a hard time forgiving himself um, for what he did. So the story is is both of their journeys to finding the ability to forgive, and uh, through that forgiveness, joy and, and new life. And that's an important message that we all need to learn, because I think all of us through life at one point or another have struggled with forgiving someone. So that was perfect. So I always love to ask my authors if they would give us the honor of reading either your first page or a pivotal scene. Would you do that for us today, Wendy? I would love to do that. All right. Um, well, the floor is all yours. Well, wonderful. I, I'm going to read just a little section. Just This is page five of the book. So it's just into uh, the first chapter of the book. And just to sort of set the scene, um, Nora and her 10-year-old daughter, Rebecca, are in Ohio. It's Christmas Eve. She's had to leave Green Ridge, Pennsylvania, the only home she ever knew, um, after the events of Hometown, the first book. And she's now in Ohio with her mother and extended family, a large family, but it's her first Ohio Christmas. Um, Rebecca, her daughter, is playing a rousing game of charades with the kids. Um, Her hip is really hurting. This injury that she had um, from this buggy accident has never healed well, and she's in a lot of pain. And the house is kind of chaotic, and there's a knock at the door. Rebecca twirled and scampered across the room. I'm the angel of the Lord, of course. The ants exchanged pointed looks. Nora knew what they thought. Her father's daughter from head to toe, the child was too showy for her own good. Waving her arms in a manner more chicken-like than cherubic, Rebecca tugged the doorknob, Arctic air rushed in like a locomotive, rustling wrapped gifts on the hearth. A single Christmas card launched from a garland and fell amidst the children who tumbled over one another, clamoring to catch it. In the doorway, a young man hunched, shoulders and hat dusted with snow. He stomped heavy boots on the rag rug. Wet brown curls shivered at his temples and his ruddy cheeks blazed in the gaslight. Her heart stopped. Levi? The boy doffed his black-brimmed hat, sending a snow shower onto Aunt Martha's linoleum. Breath snagging in her throat, Nora clutched her skirt in tight fingers. Seven years. 
Levi had been dead for seven years. Yet vision blurred by sudden tears, she could swear he stood in the entry this very second. Amos Mast, close that door before you let out all the warm air. With effort, Aunt Martha rose to standing. Katie, your brother's here to fetch you home. Take the pie out of the oven and come along and bring a dish towel. Amos stared at the slushy puddle. Sorry for the mess, Aunt Martha. Never you mind. Martha offered a plate piled high with treats. Have some fudge. Amos. She blinked. Not Levi. Amos. Flashing a gap-toothed grin, the boy took a huge hunk. Merry Christmas. His cheek was smooth and supple. His jaw was just starting to harden into a man's. He couldn't be more than 17 years old, this boy, her cousin's son. If Levi were still alive, he'd be, what, 35? Was such an age possible? She turned 31 last July, so yes, 35 indeed. Flapping and whirling, Rebecca skated, stocking-footed through the icy water. We're playing charades, guess who I am? Amos crossed his arms over his heavy wool coat and tilted his head. Uh, goose? We Isaac jumped up. I told you. With a sigh, Rebecca rolled her eyes. Don't any of you know the angel of the Lord when you see her? It's a good thing the shepherds did, Uncle Moses cracked. Uncle Eli guffawed. Nora could see Levi at 17 as clearly as she saw this boy. He'd been taller than Amos and skinnier, with a long-limbed ease that made every gesture appear effortless. She swiped at her eyes with the back of a hand. Grief was a sneaky snake. It crept up when she least expected and sank its fangs deep in her heart. Shaking her head as if she could banish tears forever, she sniffed and clenched her fists. The pumpkin pie. She'd take that pie from the oven or break her other hip, trying. Planting both hands on the chair arm, she labored to her feet with no less difficulty than Aunt Martha. Rebecca spun, her fair brows knit, and opened her mouth to speak. With a glare and a quick flick of the wrist, Nora silenced her. Great Aunt Ruth scrabbled for something under her chair. For goodness sake, Nora, take my cane. The rubber-tipped monstrosity stabbed at Nora's face, narrowly missing her nose. She batted it away. For the last time, Ruth, I don't want it. A collective gasp sucked the oxygen from the room. If the candles hadn't been battery-powered, they would have snuffed at once. Aunt Ruth recoiled, whacking the cane into a magazine rack, which toppled, spewing newspapers across the floor. Lips pressed in a thin line, Mom leveled her with a glare. Blood thrummed in her ears. Twining her fingers in her apron, she reeled and stormed into the kitchen. You can tell that you're an actress and that you've done some um, narrating before. I have. That was, yeah. yeah, that was beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And Thank I will be sure to let let our listeners know how they can get a copy here in a few minutes. Or tell us, Wendy, what's next? Well, I'm currently writing book three in the Hearts of the Reach series. Um, I have just written the first two chapters, and it's all sort of percolating in my head. And uh, to, to break news here, the, the hero of that book will be Samuel, uh, Nora and Jonas's younger brother. Um, and he's going to get himself into a whole mess of trouble, too. So I'm, I'm excited about it. Oh, we will look forward to it. We'll look forward to it. So as you know, as I end 
our podcast, I love to ask a few really silly questions that mean nothing about your writing career or your stories, just a little bit so that our listeners can get to know you a little better. Are you ready for my silly questions? Absolutely. It's my favorite part of every podcast. <laughs> all right. All right. Would you rather, and I have to tell you, this would you rather came from my granddaughters. This is what they wanted to ask you. So would you rather live in a mansion or a farmhouse? Ooh, a farmhouse. Farmhouse, too. Number two, what was the worst job you ever had? You know, I've been lucky. I've had a lot of really good jobs. I'm trying to think of even the even the bad i mean i have <laughs> i've been an understudy quite a bit and so it depends on how you consider the worst job but i did once have to go on i was in an ensemble role in a production of hamlet and i had to go on as the queen with 24 hours notice and i ah. didn't know that i was the understudy i got a call saying so I don't know if you know this, but our queen is sick and you're her understudy. And I was like, what? And they said, we heard you're a quick study. Can you go on tomorrow? And I had been in the play and we'd been rehearsing it. So I knew the play. I knew, you know, I knew most of the lines from listening to it. But having to go on as Queen Gertrude in Hamlet with 24 hours notice was probably the worst job I ever had. <laughs> I bet I have to know. I'm going to add another question yeah. to my lineup. But what was the worst character you had to ever play? Ooh, you know, so I, well, it depends on how you define Morris, but I did a production of, you know, the movie Guess Who's Coming to Dinner? Yes. Um, classic movie. So I did a production of a play version of that in Boston a couple years ago, and I played the baddie. I, I think her name was Hillary, and I'm not even sure she's in the movie, but she's she's like a gallery owner, and she uh, was not a nice person and said some very inappropriate and unkind things about you know the relationship in the play and I got booed by the audience which was actually <laughs> so great like I loved it I'd never that's part of what I, I thought about that when I was thinking about playing the villains and things because I thought well Hillary doesn't think she's a villain but yeah so she's probably the worst character I've ever played because she said terrible terrible things but it was actually kind of delightful to be booed oh <laughs> I bet I bet all right my next question Tell us what your favorite childhood memory is. Oh, wow. My favorite childhood memory. You know, this is so funny. I lived in Texas when I was a kid. Um, my dad taught at Texas A&M. And um, we used to, we had a 1979 Volkswagen camper van, which is almost a character in my first book, Hometown. I put, I put a 1979 camper van in it. And we would drive to Big Bend National Park to go camping and I remember doing a trail ride there. And the horse that I rode was called Brownie. And I loved that trail ride at Big Bend National Park. And it's just always stuck with me as being, it was such a great family event because, you know, my brother and my mom and dad were all on it. And I don't know that I'd ever done a trail ride before. And we rode out to this beautiful vista in Big Bend National Park. And it's just always stuck with me. <laughs> I love hearing childhood memories. They always yeah. stir up such emotion. They sure do. So, Wendy, before we sign off, is there anything you'd like to say to your readers? I just want to say thank you. I I have gotten the most lovely emails and messages, and each one of them just warms my heart. So I am so grateful to everyone who has picked up a copy of Hometown and is excited about Heartsong Hills and 
uh, write to me and I'll write back. I, I always had pen pals when I was a kid because we moved around a lot. So I will I will write back to anyone who sends me a little email and tells me about their experience reading the book. Oh, well, that was perfect. And I want to thank you for spending time with us this week. And I look forward to hearing more about your future projects here on the Buggy Toss podcast. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we sign off? No, I just thank you so much. I've all of the authors who you've had featured are heroes of mine. So I'm just so honored to be among them. I'm really grateful to for the opportunity to uh, meet your listeners and, and to be part of this really neat podcast. So glad that you um, gave us the honor to come here. So listeners, if you would like to pick up a copy of Heart Song Hills, look for the link in the show notes of this episode that you can find on my website at tracysamishbooks.com or you can go to buggytalkpodcast.com. There you'll find a complete list of some of your favorite Amish fiction authors and all the great books they add to the Amish landscape, including my latest release, which is Anna's Amish Fears revealed, which is book four of the Amish Women of Lawrence County.